Hello, and welcome to the Negative Roll Euphonic. Oh, we don't really have title music, do we? <laughs> Ba-da-ba-ba-da! Anyway, uh, it's Dr. Fink here with my buddy, Nin Sage. Hello. Hello, Stephen. How's it going, Joe? Good, how are you? I'm doing okay this fine evening. Uh, to all you listeners out there, we are um, taking this Saturday evening to pretend like we're Cool Cat DJs, and we're mm-hmm. reviving the Euphonic Podcast. It never, Ooh. it never really died. It just for it's I been think, hibernation. Has it been like two years? I think, or I think two years. Wow, that's a long time. I think it was 2014, so maybe a year and a half. I guess is what it would be. Yeah. So it's been quite a long time since we had an episode. Uh, we've had a handful. We had a you know five episode season, so to speak, and then we had a couple special episodes and an extra credits podcast and everything. And um, I've wanted to go back to this and. So here we are. Uh, the format has not really changed too much. We're, we've increased the amount of songs played uh, from five to seven per theme. And then we're going to have a 15th and final song that's going to play us out. So hopefully there's a little bit more music in there for you guys listening, uh, the dedicated listeners. And we're still going to stick with the two-theme format in order to kind of get some variety uh, midway through the show as opposed to you know getting all the great submissions from you guys and then just playing each one. I mean, we could just do that, too, which maybe some of you would like that. But that's not what we're doing today. Nope. So uh, the themes have no connection, no sense. I've had a big list of themes that I've wanted to do, and I was like, hey, let's just pick two and get this shit going. Yeah. So uh, that's what's happening. Uh, any any comments from you, Joe, before we start? Not a last comment, just a comment. <laughs> just that's a, what you want, right? Yes, just a Because I comment. could make just a comment. Um. My comment is we have a lot of great songs today and some really couple of all-time classics and I think also a couple of more obscure ones that we're shedding some light on. So it should be a good show. I agree. I agree. In fact, some of these are brand new to me, so I apologize if I have nothing to say about them besides yep. you know, how I feel about it. But, well. um, but some of them were really, yeah, like, like you said, classic for me, classic for you, hopefully classic for listeners. Uh, thanks in advance before I play these songs to everybody who submitted songs. You know, we try to we try to get a variety of people uh, submitting. Uh, we try to get a variety of people picked, and you know, try to get some representation from you guys. And you know, we really don't take into consideration the users when we pick the songs. So you know, I apologize if you left out this one, or you know, congrats if you've got two or something in in the show. But you know, keep submitting, and you know, I, I like getting the user feedback from the site. To make these, I could just you know pull a bunch of songs out of my butt for these shows, and we could just talk about them. But I think it's fun to have you guys discuss these ahead of time, and then also you know see what comes out of it. So it's kind of a mystery. Mm-hmm. So, so thanks again to the forums. Thank you, Joe. I say let's get started. We uh, our first it. our first theme is going to be the dungeon theme, and for this, I just wanted people to pick songs that uh, were related to dungeons in some manner. I mean, a lot of games have dungeons. Some of them uh, are literal dungeons, and some of them are, you know, something a little bit different. So the first one here, uh, uh, and I should say uh, that we're going to leave the song title and game uh, for after the song in order to allow a little bit of fun to have you guess maybe what it might be, or just rekindle some memories before you, uh, you know, you hear what it is. So we don't want to prime you. So Word. Okay, well, the word is, let's go.
classic song. Yes, a song that evokes many memories. That many was, feelings. and that song was "Palace Theme" from Zelda Two: The Adventure of Link. Everyone's favorite Zelda game, undisputed winner. <laughs> the first Zelda game with Link's actual name in it. Um, it's the Ocarina of Time of Zelda games. Oh, wait, mm, no. Maybe not. This one. <clears throat> yeah, this uh, this is the one redeeming quality of that game, in my mind, is this song. Mm-hmm. Or maybe the music in general. I mean, the music is pretty good regardless. Yes. Uh, but, yeah, absolutely. I've never really been into this game. I think I just don't get it. I'm not saying it's a bad game. I'm just not very good at it. I've tried time and time again, and I keep... You know, I, I get stuck really early on in that dark cave where you can't see the enemies. Sure. And maybe yep. maybe there's an item I'm missing, but... I, I have beaten this game only with the help of Game Shark, or no, not Game Shark, Game Genie. <laughs> okay. Um, and uh, I I went through it with Game Genie, which sounds silly to do, but I wanted to experience the game, even though I was not, you know, great enough to do it legitimately. So, yep. I sat down, you know, one summer and just played it over a couple, or I guess probably one session. I don't know. Uh, but um, how recently would this have been? Oh, probably in the last five years. Okay. It's been some time, but. I'll tell you well, what. I think that also makes a difference how closely you played it to like when it was released. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah. And I definitely missed the boat. <laughs> I had the original Zelda. I still have the card. You know, I mean, I, I played that right when it came out, but the second one just somehow missed me. And then when I realized what it was, it was too far gone. Did you know that I played Zelda two before Zelda one? No, I did not. That's interesting. Yes. yes. Uh, I mean, I guess I had played Zelda 1 at a friend's house for, like, an afternoon or something. But then, you know, I just, when it came time, when I had a Nintendo, it was like, well, why get Zelda 1 when you can get Zelda 2? Surely it's better. <laughs> uh, and it just... Takes twice it, the patience. Yeah, it just beat me into the ground. And I also happened to have a uh, bad flu when I got that game and played it, so... On the one hand, it meant I could stay home from school and just play the game all day. But on the other hand, it was like it was like a fever dream on top of a fever, mm. trying to play through that unforgiving game. It was quite an experience, but I I'm glad I went through it. Well, you know what what disappoints me about myself is that I didn't even get far enough to legitimately have trouble. You know, I I mean, in playing the game, I I know that some of the enemies later on, um, I don't really recall like. The horse-headed ones and things like that. Those yep. guys can be really tricky in the way that they, you know, they're patterned for stabbing and they can get really close and it's very tough. Right. But I mean, I can, like I said, I was getting stuck on these little gel things that are crawling on the ground uh, huh. in the dark, and so I right. feel really. This is probably one of my biggest gaming embarrassments. But right. Um, and and to <laughs> to that point, even with the game genie codes, whatever ones were available, uh, I still had trouble because you couldn't like just massively. Suit yourself up to to beat it easily. You still had right. to actually make sure you didn't um, fall into pits yep. or certain other th- conditions that that might occur. And um, I definitely still died a few times with Game Genie on. But game over, return of Ganon. <laughs> whatever it does. There you go. Uh, so. Yeah, but you know, again, back. Well, to maybe the reason, someday you should rectify that. Try to, you know, I don't know. Someday after you've retired or something. If Splatoon leaves its grip off me, you know, maybe. Yeah. Uh, nothing gets played besides that right now, which is no. um, sad. Splatoon um, had taken over people's lives. It is. Like five or something. Not a bad thing. 
No, but uh, back on the song though, um, the palace theme though is is such a great theme. I'm glad that it's mm-hmm. popped up in like Smash Brothers and other things. Uh, I'm really impressed by the music in this game, and I actually I should go look at who who had done it. Was it a Koji Kondo joint or Koji Kondo? I don't know. I mean, I would assume so, but uh, yeah, I should but look I guess you never know. But still, it, it's fantastic, and um, the uh, what is it? The great. Um, the Great Temple or something like that was also uh, yep. suggested. Uh, also another great theme, one that I actually am equally familiar with because of uh, Smash Brothers. But no, Palace theme, great. Uh, great way to kick off the dungeons in this episode. Uh, thank you, the old man from Zelda, for submitting it. Oh, uh, Lou. Yeah, local Lou. Lou. You can Zelda. call him that. I can. Fun fact about what we call Zelda 2 in Japan was actually Doki Doki Zelda. <laughs> <laughs> Doki Doki Zelda Panic. Many many people don't know that. Wow. But Negative mm-hmm. World exclusive right here. <laughs> wow, that's uh that's some interesting tidbit right there. Yeah, yeah, they just swapped out some of the sprites and called it a Zelda game. Hmm. That'd be great if that was true somehow. That'd be amazing. <laughs> anyway, shall we move on to our next song let's do it so you know that that was a that's a good classic dungeon and uh this one you know i haven't played this game so i'm not really sure where this fits in but it's uh it was a great little submission so let's check it out
a fun song that is. Super fun. You know, th- this song makes me regret not ever playing this game. Mm. And not that I ever intentionally didn't, but it's just, you know, I mean, there's so many games that I, I I don't think I have that narrow of a bandwidth, but I definitely have a type. And this is a game that wouldn't have caught my radar. Uh, this is Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles. Uh-huh. And the song is called uh, Twilight in Dreamland. Uh-huh. But man, this is like a really magical, beautiful song that I, I you know, I would love to dungeon crawl or whatever the hell happens uh, in this part of the game. I would love to do that to this music. Yeah. Yeah, the whole game, um, I think the whole Crystal Chronicles franchise is really, um, really rather well crafted and, and got a lot of attention to detail. I think that kind of gets overlooked. I think people look at it as kind of the, you know, kind of throwaway spin-off to the Final Fantasy franchise. I sure but, did um, at first. Yeah, but it really, you know, it is its own thing, certainly, but they, they really put a lot of effort in, and I think that in things like the soundtrack, you do hear that come through. Yeah, right, it's not like it's a low-quality soundtrack where they didn't spend a lot of time. I mean, I guess they really wanted you to enjoy your playthrough, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it was the Crystal Chronicles games are almost like a like the boutique version of Final Fantasy, where they had to know it was going to be a niche market, I think. But, um, you know, they were going for something else, obviously, the the whole multiplayer aspect, which was prevalent through most of the Crystal Chronicles games. And uh, as I, I'm sure that you know, in this game, the way that you did multiplayer was through hooking up a bunch of Game Boy Advances as as other controllers and there was some other functionality you could get when you did that like information would be displayed on their screens and things and there were some kind of interesting things in game where to try to keep players all in the same area one person had to be holding this sort of uh in-game chalice that would provide this like 360 degree protective barrier mm-hmm. and if players got outside that barrier they would start taking damage so it was sort of a artificial way to you know instead of allowing people to run off in a bunch of different directions that could sort of try to keep people together. But at the same time, it kind of, I think, provided this sort of built-in teamwork that was kind of neat. Um, I didn't get to experience that with other people, first of all, because I played this game in, like, 2009 or something. <laughs> um, and second of all, because I didn't have any Game Boy Advances lying around. Mm. But even though you are playing with computer AI, you still have to sort of do that same kind of teamwork, and, and that's pretty neat. Do they leave the bubble often? Uh, no. No, they'll just kind of follow you around and and vice versa. So More like Pikmin? I guess so. That was yeah. for you. But you, um, if I'm not mistaken, you, like, I think you can switch between them, the characters on the fly, and, like, control them differently, or... Mm-hmm. I don't know, something like that. It's been a while, but um, but yeah, you definitely even when you're playing single player, there is a sort of a teamwork element that's still there, uh, which is pretty neat. Well, you know, I mean, with GameCube games showing up on the eShop these days, maybe someday this would be possible. Although I guess I don't know, you know, what it would take, the efforts it would take to get. Yeah, this um, I, you know, I feel like that first game is rather well regarded. So, if any of the games in the series were gonna were gonna merit that effort, it might be the first one because 
I think about, you know, if they did either online multiplayer or somehow instead of a Game Boy Advance, let, let other people use a gamepad or something like that, at least do two-player. I mean, that would, I think a fair number of people would be interested in that. So, mm-hmm. so I think a lot of people skipped this game because they, they knew it was kind of multiplayer focused and didn't have people to, to do it with. So, well, frankly, yeah. Whenever those kind of games happen, they do lose my interest a little bit, not because yeah. they're great, but because I just don't really have the ability to do that. Even today, like the newest Zelda for the 3DS, haven't touched it because I missed the, the demo experience uh, that came out in the eShop. And then, um, you know, after since I didn't get to try that with friends, I just was like, well, okay, I'm not really in a rush for this. And now that I, you know, I, maybe I can pick it up now, but people aren't playing it that I know. You mean uh, Triforce Heroes? That Correct, one? yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. So you know, yeah, it's understandable. I've never been a fan of when Nintendo does these forced multiplayer things, uh, mm-hmm. but um, but you know, to that extent, it's I'm probably missing out. So maybe I should just do it next time and work harder. <laughs> That's all right, man. So do you do you have any reference to where this is in the game? Not really. Any, that no this specific song. Yeah. No. I'm, all... I'm sure it's. I mean, there's a lot of quote-unquote dungeon exploration, like a lot of caves and things like that. So it could be any number of of those. Um, pretty okay. much the whole game, there's not actually really much of an overworld to speak of, now that I think of it. You just kind of, it's like points on a map, and they're all kind of dungeons on their own, in a way, even when they're above ground and things like that. Yeah, yeah okay. there's there's towns and there's dungeons, and that's kind of... Kind of it if memory serves correctly. Well, we'll have to ask Pokey Freak nine one one to uh, tell us because he's the guy who submitted it. So Pokey great, Freak. great pick, Australia number one. <laughs> uh, you know what? We have a, a lot of Australian representation. Actually, come to think of it, uh, yeah, it's kind of funny. You know, with that, why don't we get to the next song and we'll uh, let's we'll do explain why that makes sense. The ominous dungeon music, huh? Mm, very much so. 
So this is a unique dungeon because whereas the past, well, I guess I don't know again much about the last song, but uh, you know when I think of a dungeon, I think of an area that is underground uh, uh-huh. and that is, you know, I, confining. Con- yeah, yeah right. confining, right? And so this song, which is Bowser's Road from Super Mario sixty four, it's uh, I mean, it's it, maybe it's underground. I mean, you go in through pipes usually to get to it uh, and everything, because I think the song is reused each time you go through Bowser's kind of chamber before you fight him. Uh-huh. And uh, but it's very open. You know, you have your set path, but you know they they programmed it so that there aren't big walls around, and you're almost like a diorama that you're just fighting through. But um, it's it's rather expansive. You can't really um, you can't really dig through things. I mean, it's I don't know. It's it's not that hard to explain, I suppose. But it, it's just unique, <laughs> and yeah, uh, and it's right. very ominous, building up to usually what's a climb up to where Bowser is. So uh, so a really cool pick. Yeah, certainly. Um, Super Mario 64 is a game that I have only played one time. One time in your whole life? Like one, one sit-down? One all the way through. Like, I've okay. gone through the game once. Okay. M- many different sessions. but um, So I'm not a I'm not an expert. I'm not intimately familiar with the game, like a lot of people are. Uh, it is an excellent game. And I do recognize this music from the game which is part of why I wanted to have it in the show, because it's a good song and it was familiar to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess by the time... Uh, this is another game I, I didn't play until very late, until probably like 2010 or 11, actually, uh, on the Wii, on the virtual console. So I think it's a game that by the time it got to me, it was kind of like I wanted to play it just to sort of check it off my list and say that I experienced it. But by that time, it had sort of uh, not been surpassed. But uh, you know, there were, there were other options for 3D Mario, so it wasn't really just going to blow my mind the way I'm sure it did for a lot of people when they first played it. Myself. Well, one thing I like is that um, it to me it doesn't actually necessarily sound like a Mario song. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It it just sounds like a very uh, important song. Sounds like a song that lends a lot of um, importance to whatever's going on, but it actually—I feel like it kind of like goes beyond Mario music in a sense, because Mario music is typically just very sort of like fun and bouncy and, and happy, you know. Right. Um. But but this I I feel is just like a slightly different tone, but at the same time, like I said, it was still familiar to me. Like I still associated it with this game. Um. I think that's unique. Yeah, you can definitely sense the kind of volcanic and fire and mm. kind of lead bad guy tone out of this. Mm. Uh, and I, I again, you can especially because of the uh, you know my memories with the actual game. But I feel like some of those undertones are throughout the series, sure, both before and after this game. So there's some thematic quality there. Mm-hmm. But a great a great dungeon theme, a unique dungeon theme. A unique dungeon location. Uh, thank you to another Australian, Shadowlink, for submitting this one. Yes, indeed. So, that said, let's jump to probably another familiar one for people, but uh, it's definitely one of the more, again, unique and favored ones for that. Let's give it a listen.
So this is one of those songs where like if you were sleeping really soundly at night and then you woke up and suddenly that's all you heard, you'd be a little freaked out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, this was this is part of Nintendo's uh, chanting in the middle of music uh, period. Their chant period, I guess. Because um, uh, this is not the only song in this game to have this kind of experience. Mm-hmm. But uh, the game, if it's not obvious, is The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. And this is the Forest Temple, the first one when you're Adult Link. Right. And, you know, the, the premise for this is, you know, you've used your hookshot for the first, well, one of the first times to get your butt up to that branch to walk into this um, temple that's, you know, Which where the stairs have broken. was awesome. That was cool. It, it really felt like you had achieved something you know you 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 use your new tool in a way that got you somewhere else uh yeah and especially because you have visited that area before which is really cool that you it really made made that sense of time that fit well because you had like a past experience with that area and then it would open up to you without you realizing it was going to right so a very very beautifully crafted scenario there and this is a unique temple because as you're as you're fighting in it and, and exploring it, it's very puzzle heavy. Uh, there's lots of doors, lots of paths, and you do kind of feel this organic sense of earthiness. And I think that's what this song is trying to unearth, you know, yeah. no pun intended, uh, for once. And, yeah. And then the chanting is just kind of like it, it, it's disembodied. You know, there's no source for it, which makes it eerie, mm-hmm. and and just makes it very atmospheric. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, certainly sets the tone very well, and uh, just I think does a good job in terms of uh, communicating what that area is is all about, and like you said, uh, can definitely creep you out at the same time. Mm-hmm. Well, this also has like I think those Diku Babas. Um, it's got those floating uh, skulls that glow blue. It's got a lot of creepy enemies that come at mm. you and, and some ghosts and uh, that kind of plays into the uh, finale at the end of the temple with Phantom Ganon. So they did a really good job with this one. I, I really This is one of my, my more memorable temples in the game and definitely is one of my favorite songs in the whole game. Yeah, it's a good one. Mm. I do. I love the uh, that area, especially especially the outside with the that tree mm-hmm. shot, all that. And even going through the uh, the area right before it with all the um, moblins is mm. pretty cool because yes, you have, you have the hook shots so you can use that I believe to stun them. It might stun them. I Sounds right. But uh, you know it's different. It's more guarded now. All of a sudden, mm. seven years later, and um, so the whole thing builds really well. And as it's your first temple when you become an adult, it's kind of your it's, you know your first experience, and they have to make a count. So it's it's quite a rewarding temple to experience. So thank you uh, to PokeFreak911 again for that pick as well. Uh, we just yeah, couldn't yeah. help. We just couldn't help but pick pick two from him. So uh, great job. Uh, shall we move on to our fifth and uh, final dungeon song from the listeners? Let's do. Okay, here we go.
tense song once again. I guess dungeon themes, that's one of their their consistencies is the tenseness of the situation. Uh-huh. Um, the darkness, uh, the brooding darkness of it all. Uh-huh. Uh, this was Tyranno, or Tyranno, uh, Lair, and it's from Chrono Trigger for the Super Nintendo. And, uh, you know, we've talked a few times this episode about games that you've played, Joe, where you didn't play until later on. Uh-huh. Yep. This was a game that I did not play till later on. Uh, yes. I had missed the Super Nintendo era by being a Genesis kid, as we've talked Ooh, about on the show Genesis in the past. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, when, when this came out on DS, I jumped at the chance to, to buy it and play it. And uh, it was, to this day, one of my greatest experiences in gaming. Oh, wow. It was fantastic. I just loved every I bit of praise. it. Yeah. The music, the, the, the gameplay, the art style, the, the pixel art, the... Uh, the the premise, everything was just fantastic, and it was all well put together. I love the characters, I love the the attack system, and all the spells, and and so combinations. To be honest, this particular battle eludes my memory a little bit, but uh, you know, it's it's fantastic though. Just to to hear it again, it, it it's a little more fresh now that I'm I'm hearing it again. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, for me it was the same. I did not play this game until the uh till the DS. And uh I wanted to play it just to say that I had played it because so many people always talked about it as being like one of their favorite games. Um it was good. I uh, <laughs> I know that that is uh blasphemous to a lot of people to not say that it, you know, uh changed their life or impacted them deeply as it did uh even for you all those years later mm-hmm. but um i don't know it was uh it was quite good and it's it's funny because i probably on paper i should have liked it a lot because i love akira toriyama's art um i like frogs i like being able to have a lot of customization as far as what party members you have at any one time. Did you have a, a key set of party members um, for your picks? You know, all I remember is eventually I found that for me, uh, the cave girl, who I think her name is Isla or something yes. like mm-hmm. uh, I found that she was by far the strongest person that I had. I don't know if that's like everyone's experience or it was mine. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So she was in the party just because she enabled me to win all the battles. <laughs> um and then Chrono, obviously, I don't know if you can take him out. I'm pretty sure you probably can, but I liked him, so I left him in. Uh and then I feel like I normally would have put in Frog due to my aforementioned affinity for frogs, but um I don't think I did because I don't think that I found him to be particularly useful. Uh, so I don't remember who my third one was. Probably someone with good healing ability. So for me, I believe that was Robo, but okay, uh, Marl or Marley or whatever her name is. Yep. Um, I think she was the primary healer, but okay. uh, I think Robo did a pretty good job for me of being a kind of a yeah. healing fighting guy. Yeah, I feel like Robo was um, pretty useful as well. Plus, his so. theme is probably my favorite song in the whole game. 
managed. It sounds a lot like uh, Rick Astley's never going to give you up. Okay. All right. Did you end up replaying the game many times to get the myriad endings that are available? No, no. Uh, I didn't either. You know, I move on to the next game usually. Yeah. Um, I don't do that sort of thing these days. Plus, with the internet, it's pretty easy to just look it up if you're curious. Don't you think that if you played it like when it was brand new, that you probably would have done all the uh, different endings, or at least gotten a, a bunch of them, as, as many as you could before you started repeating a lot? I wouldn't have aimed out to do so, but I would have definitely gone back to play it over the years, and I would have tried different things just to try different things. And it wasn't just time to completion that dictated your endings, right? Wasn't it uh, certain decisions along the way? I, I honestly don't know for sure. I don't think... I feel pretty confident agreeing with you that it wasn't just about how long it took you. Right. But uh, I think it had something to do with who your party members were at pivotal points. Okay, that sounds sounds reasonable, yeah. But um, I know well, there perhaps was... some informed listeners can comment about it in the thread associated with this episode. Let us know. Yeah, I mean, at the very least, Game Day Grant, who submitted the song, he, he should GDG? be able to say something. <laughs> GDG? GDG? I, I want to know who first said that in that way, because yeah. uh, that's fantastic, and that's how you have to say it. But, uh, no, Game Day Grant uh, definitely is a big fan of Chrono Trigger, and as am I, as are a lot of people, as we've said. So uh, I don't think we could have gotten away with an episode without some. Um, of course, it's a lie. We, we've done that plenty of times before. But, yeah, fantastic song, fantastic game, and uh, great dungeon dungeon theme. It, uh-huh. it, it's To me, that's one of the more, I guess, classic, classically-minded ones. I know. I believe Toronto's Lair is. Uh, you know, I don't. Well, I know that. I know that he's. You know, a big boss or whatever. I don't recall. Um, I don't think this is necessarily the boss music against him. It could be though. Um, well, isn't he the thing that? Uh, this is where we're going to show our Chrono Trigger ignorance. But there's like a like a a baddie that's like small in stature, but he's kind of like a main villain. And doesn't he kind of use this? Tyranno thing as like a like a threat against all humanity or something. He's like, I'm gonna unleash this big thing against you unless you do what I say and then go fight him or something. Yeah, the, in terms of the story I can't I can't recall to be honest. Okay. Well so. in terms of the song, I will say one thing that I was just so impressed by is that I like how it's it's one of these songs that has like like three different songs in one, you know what I mean? There's mm-hmm. there's distinctly uh there's like a almost a metal riff in there with the dan and then there's also that kind of like mystical little like harpsichord harp kind of part later on that's uh completely different in tone but but also great. Yeah, and actually that that you know second part you mentioned is actually quite a bit um in the rest of the soundtrack. It's kind of a uh, a running tone through a lot of the songs. I, feel. I see, nifty. So, I mean, it definitely doesn't sound out of place in the game as a whole, you know, the mm-hmm. song. But uh, yeah, there's definitely that mystical running, running note. Cool. Yeah. So, Chrono Trigger, great game, great song, Game Dad Grant, Judy G. So, this is the part of the show where we are going to jump now to. The last two picks, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the first five have been 
picks that you guys have submitted. And hopefully there's a lot of people out there listening who didn't submit at all who now will in the future in hopes of getting on here because, again, I love seeing everyone's different personalities driving these choices. That's why we give you just a theme and run with it. And really, you know, what you do with that theme is what you do with that theme. It doesn't necessarily have to be like a, you know, it doesn't have to be the dungeon as the song title. You know what I mean? Whatever right. whatever a dungeon is to you, that's what it should be. So uh, we, we get everyone's opinions and now we like to throw in our own mix where Joe and I definitely get to pick one for ourselves and, and present it to you guys and hope you like it. Uh, this way, the thread itself isn't just what the podcast is. You know, the podcast is more than the thread. There's some surprises right. here too. So uh, I always choose to go last uh, out of respect and put Joe first. So Joe, uh, let's hear your pick. This is like a dramatic kind of somber ballad. A little bit, yeah. And uh, this is from Chrono Trigger as well, right? Nope. Oh, no, it's not. It's, <laughs> a, it's a Super Nintendo uh, RPG, uh, so it has that similar kind of tone, although this is uh, from a DS version, is it not? Yes. Tell us what this is, Joe. This is uh, a song called Into the Darkness from the Final Fantasy IV soundtrack, and like you said, it is the DS version of the tune. Not that the uh, the song necessarily sounds any different than the actual games. Probably not. Probably not. Um, is this a game that you have much experience with? No. So this is where... None at all. No. So Chrono Trigger, yeah. I got into that. But none of the uh, the Final Fantasies I've really dabbled into. And I've really wanted to, but uh, I just don't know what stopped me, really. I, I think a lot of them are available on the eShop or the Virtual Console and all that stuff. Right. So I really have no excuse, I guess. Besides having other games that I haven't played as well, and then thinking, well, this is an RPG, I'm going to sink a lot of time into this. But I've really wanted to, and you know, obviously Final Fantasy, th- th- uh, well, six, um, three, Japan mm-hmm. is one that I really want to play. But I've heard a lot about this one too. Now, this is Final Fantasy one, but four for us. Uh, two. Four. Two for us. Okay. Okay. Or yeah, two. Uh, 
stuff. So yeah, whatever. Yeah. So um, yeah, and this is this is a game. It's funny because when I was coming up, like through high school and through the Super Nintendo era, maybe I just knew different people. But I feel like even when I was first going on the internet and getting a, a bunch of other people's opinions, I feel like Final Fantasy IV was the one that everyone loved, uh, and that Final Fantasy VI was you know right up there. Definitely not a distant second, but still second. And I feel like over the years, somehow, not only has that swapped, but I feel like FF4 has become like kind of this afterthought where people are like, oh, yeah, that one's good too. But it's just like FF6 all the way. Oh my God, best game ever. And just be kind of interesting to see that. And this could just be purely my perception of things, but uh, from my perspective, it's been interesting to see that sort of shift over the years so um but this is a game that uh as we've established many times i did not have a super nintendo but i played this game at my best friend uh from high school's house uh just you know a, f- a handful of years after after its release and we just did a thing where one awesome summer i just went over there pretty much every day and we just Put you know, turn on the game when I got there, and uh, turn it off before I left. And you know, he and his brother had played through the game several times before, so they kind of knew all the ins and outs of it. But they were really just doing it because they were like, "Dude, you have to see this amazing game." They knew I liked the original Final Fantasy and hadn't played any others, so so that's what we did. We just played through the game, and man, I gotta say, I was blown away by it because every character had depth to them and that was something that was still rather new to me from rpgs you know Mm -hmm. the original final fantasy you make your own characters dragon warrior one and two i mean the first game basically you name the character and there's no depth to it at all even though theoretically it's this you know legendary hero erdrick or or roto depending on your translation um Dragon Quest 2, very, very similar. You know, there's a little bit of backstory. Dragon Quest 3, you make your own characters. So the fact that each one of these characters in FF4 has just real depth to them and you get emotionally attached to them. And some of them, you know, I can still remember some of the scenes, you know, having more emotional impact on me than a 16-bit video game probably should. But uh, just super duper impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, for its time so uh even after this ringing endorsement i assume it's still not really something you're interested in pursuing no it totally that's okay is. it totally is i mean okay <laughs> i guess you know, and i'm not trying to convince you but i just that's just how i feel about the game is it available for the 3ds right now uh 3ds i want to say no but you could buy the ds game and play it on your 3ds uh well i just mean um to download uh, i don't even know where yeah just cause, i mean I, I have a uh not too long of a flight but i've got a little bit of a trip for work coming up in the next couple of days and um oh, I, I have games i can play and i need to but you know great excuse to get a new game Absolutely. Uh, instead of a game that I've, you know, an old stupid game that I still need to play. But uh, right. But yeah, now so. I'm sad that I almost like spoiled some things for you. But um, it's okay. I'll probably forget. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Well, just again, just going back to the character development thing. I mean, just there, you know, characters in this game make such 180 degree turns that maybe you look at them now and think that it's shallow, but I think for the time it was it was really something and it, it just really made me care and, and invest in these characters in a way that was was rare at the time. So So those, you know, plot twists and, and character developments, those are natural. They don't feel you know, they're just for the hell of it, they feel I like. don't think so. That's good. I don't think so at all. I mean some of the for me playing through at that time, I was completely surprised by most of them. So mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know yeah. I won't know who turns to what, you know, mm-hmm. when I play, so um so it's all good. Yeah, man. All right, so why don't we move on to what you've got lined up for us? Okay. Um, so what I've got lined up is a game I've never played, so I have very little to say. But I was I was researching dungeon themes and just uh, music in general, and this one really spoke to me. And uh, so, yeah, at the very least, let's play it. was the dungeon theme from Spelunker 2 for the NES. Way to go with an obvious pick. <laughs> yeah. uh, it was obviously NES. I mean, Mario, Zelda, Spelunker 2. Yeah. Uh, I never heard of Spelunker 2, never heard of Spelunker 1, so I don't have a lot to say about this song. <laughs> uh, other than what I've experienced through YouTube, um, it's almost Castlevania-esque in the sense that this guy is going through uh, some sort of cave system, and he's beating bad guys. He he ducks through a pond. He comes out, and all of a sudden, there's like this Dracula-looking mother effer just standing in the middle of a room. You know, I okay. doubt he swam into his own room, so I'm not sure how he's getting in and out. But okay. he doesn't look, look like he likes to get wet. And uh, you know, it's a pretty primitive and uh, NES game from 1987. I'm not even sure it came out in the states, so that's how obscure this is. So I hope you enjoyed. Just something new. Uh, yeah. And if you if you knew this game already, please, for the love of God, uh, write us in the, in the thread for this episode and tell us a little bit more about it and how you even came to play it. So, but it, yeah, it's pretty much like a dungeon crawler. You're some sort of Indiana Jones type guy, it looks like, and uh, you uh, you're exploring and defeating enemies, and it looks pretty fun actually, to be honest. But maybe a little primitive these days, but. 
do you think that the Indiana Jones type guy would, you know, that theme would have really existed on its own were it not for that movie? Because there's a lot of just like works of fiction, and I think video game characters, even like Bayou Billy, I would say, is kind of like an Indiana Jones type character. Mm-hmm. Do you think those things were just kind of part of the natural collective, uh, or do you think they were all just kind of aping Indiana Jones? Um, I don't know if this is a good answer or not, but I would say that they're they're part of the collective because of Indiana Jones. Okay. Um, it's, okay. It's, to me, it's pretty obvious that that was such a pivotal character and archetype for the late, mid-80s, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm not surprised that a lot of people banked on that without right. having to actually make a game or write a story or something based right. on Indiana Jones. But uh, the idea of exploring, I think, was just – it really was taken to a level when that those movies came out. Hmm. You could even argue that maybe uh, maybe Star Wars had some sort of effect um, on the fantasy aspect of cinema at the time. And then, you know, it kind of got grounded a bit with Indiana Jones, even though some things are fantastical in the series. Um, it's definitely more of an average guy. Right. You know, he yeah. has no superpowers. He has no special technology. Um, though in a, uh, what is it, like a, didn't the guy have a whip and then he just shoots him <laughs> or something like that? Yeah, in, no, he has a knife or something, right? In what, Indiana Jones? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's or he's got like a sword or something like that. Yeah. It does something crazy and then he just pulls out a gun. So, so okay. So he's got that technology, but that's about it, you know? Right. And uh, so this game seemed to capitalize on that a little bit, perhaps. On yeah. The, uh, so what? how did you come across this and settle on this song? Through the magic of the internet. I was just looking up, you know, dungeon themes and um, and this one had shown up. Somebody had posted it on, on YouTube and I listened to it and I just love the 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 feel of it mm-hmm. um perhaps in an indiana jones-esque way not that it sounds like the indiana jones theme right but it sounds it really does sound like the, the theme song even though it's a dungeon theme but it sounds like the theme song to to some heroic guy and sounds uh, like time for adventure yeah time for adventure to uh to some degree it sure does captain toad could have been snuck in there you know yep um well we need amy's that's the only legit way to do it she's not home well um we'll just wait then Okay, maybe we won't. But yeah, she's not home yet. <laughs> but uh, but no. So the song just I thought it was really cool, and it it was one of the songs, just like a few others in this um, podcast so far, that made me want to play it, play the game. And whenever a song does that, that kind of wins me over because I find music to be such a pivotal part of gaming, and and in many ways some of my favorite aspects of many games. But, uh, you know, I don't even know... Oh, no, okay, so the actual full title of this game is Spelunker 2 Yusha Eno Chosen, which is Spelunker 2 Challenge to the Brave. Mm. And that seems legit. I like I guess, that subtitle. I guess there was an unofficial translation uh, to English, which was done as a ROM hack, uh, but this game originally released for the Famicom back in 1987. So around do, you, the, do you know if there's much text in the game? That would uh, I do not know necessitate said translation. Um, from again, from my experiences, you know, viewing the game, uh, yeah. there's not a lot of on-screen text. You've got your uh, your life bar, your some sort of I don't know. It could be the boss's health bar, or like maybe a magic system or something. You've got a little bit of that, just a few words, and then uh, there's there are cutscenes to some degree. 
Mm-hmm. And um, I don't think those are that extensive, but uh, certainly you wouldn't understand really what's going on without them. So, cool. But yeah, it, you know, it's kind of like it, it. It reminds me a little bit of a boy and his blob that the re- maybe the original, but the remake is more fresh in my mind. Where you have kind of like a lot of times two different levels in, on the screen, and you can jump between them or climb ladders up and down between mm-hmm. the two. And uh, in this case, you're just kind of going between those and killing bad guys and zombies and Dracula people and stuff like that. And this is one crazy cave. It should have been Spelunker 2, one crazy cave. <laughs> or Challenge Sounds to the good. Cave, you know. Ooh, I see what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, hey, uh, not that I should condone any sort of ROM action. Spelunking. But if you oh. happen to, yeah, Spelunk and you find something like that, give it a try. Uh, or if you happen to find the actual cartridge somewhere, it would be worth playing through, perhaps. Or at least listening to it. Just, just turn it on and listen to it. I don't care if you play. <laughs> but, uh, you know, actually, one more one more interesting point I'm just reading right now, live on the air. Uh, unlike most video game characters, the player is an anti-hero who is unsure whether to liberate Fairyland or simply become rich from all their treasures. So, hey, there's, it's a conflicted hero here. That's very interesting. Do you get to, like, make that choice throughout the game? Like at some point, uh, or is that see. just the backstory? Maybe you do. Okay, okay. So now I had seen the a Toku level. I didn't know what the the Toku meant, but uh, the Toku meter is actually a more or less a bar that judges your morality. Whoa, that's pretty uh, like kind of advanced. Nineteen eighty-seven. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wow. So you have a life meter, which kind of is you know your health and everything, of course, and then you've got the Toku. So. That's um, amazing. Three different classes. You got the explorer, the clergy, or the esper. Uh huh. I think we're bringing back Spelunker Two. I think we need Spelunker Two Electric Boogaloo. <sighs> yeah. um, that, it would be kind of cool to see this show up on the uh, virtual console on the eShop, even if they didn't translate it. But okay, so that that caps off the the dungeon themes. Yep. Um, we are halfway through. Hope you're enjoying it. Hope you're enjoying yourself. Hope you're enjoying what you're hearing. Shall we? Uh, shall we just jump into the second theme here? Let's do. Okay. So I might be even more excited about these themes. Uh, yeah. You know what? I mean, they're more familiar to me. Most of them, and they're very beautiful. So. Mm-hmm. That said, this is the air and sky theme, and. There's really not much more to that. We're jumping out of the dungeon, and we're crawling out of the dirt, and now we're going to be flying through the air. Obviously. Uh, Like a reading rainbow. Okay, so let's go to the first one. Uh, This is one that um, you and I had debated a little bit before the show. Uh, I kind of weaseled my my choice in here for this, but on this, I just love this song. It's a good choice. Yeah. I'm not anti this choice. I'm pro this choice. I just feel this is the the only way we could have started this segment.
Kirby has some of the best music. Sure does. I'm notoriously known for not being a huge fan of the series and not just, you know, I, I enjoy it for what it is, but I don't, I don't really get excited about it ever. But the one thing that does grab me is the music. Mm-hmm. So this one was uh, chosen by Poke Squadron. Uh, and this is the uh, Bubbly Clouds song from Kirby's Dreamland for the Game Boy. And this is the one and only Kirby game that I can think of that I own. I've owned really? this for years, yeah. So wow. I, I had the potential to love Kirby growing up. But uh, for some reason, it just never stuck. But I, I still love this game uh, more than any others in the series. And the music has always stuck with me. Do you remember what it was at that point of purchase that made you uh, opt in for this game? Uh, it was probably purchased for me. <laughs> oh, well, that'll do it. I don't think I bought a single Game Boy game for myself. So uh, that's, why I, that's why I own Gremlins 2. Mm. But, uh, which isn't that bad. Um... If I'm not mistaken, this game predates Kirby's copy ability. Yes, it does. So when when I first started playing games with that ability, I was like, what the hell is this? Like, <laughs> this, this is some weird gimmick. I didn't like this. This ain't this. no Kirby. And then I realized that that's pretty much what most of the games have. But uh, I actually i am kind of turned off by the copy ability because I'm so used to just having him floating around and, you know, sucking at enemies and stuff. You know, I, I do think... As much as I love Kirby and his games, I, you, you kind of don't need it. I mean, I don't know. I don't know why. I'm sure for some people that's kind of the whole point of the games is the copy ability. But uh, I don't know. It just, um, I think there's something about how the copy ability for me, it's always like, um, maybe it'd be one thing if it was like Mega Man where you kind of acquired different abilities and you could use them when you want them but the thing about the copy ability in Kirby games is I feel like you always have the one you don't want at that time you know mm-hmm. like there's always something else you'd rather have uh, and and there's no real easy way to switch between them you have to like uh, I remember playing a lot of Kirby's Adventure which is a game that I absolutely love it's one of my favorite Nintendo games ever but you have to just farm enemies sometimes for their abilities and then you know, exit one level, take it to another level, that kind of thing. And, mm. You know, sometimes that can get a little bit annoying, but uh, but yeah, back to the Kirby music. Yeah, another franchise that's just got some of the best, some of the best stuff uh, across the board. I love, I love me a good Vegetable Valley, a good uh, Butter Tower or something like that, Butter Bridge maybe. That's Super Mario World. At least, at least Super Mario World could be. Okay. Yep. Butter something. Butternut uh, squash. Grape. I want to say Valley. I don't know. It's some food and then some sort of geographic location, and they're all good. Well, Bubbly Clouds was definitely one of my favorite areas in the in this game. Okay. I believe that's also where the boss that's the eyeball in a in a cloud. Oh. With like the spikes and stuff. It's. Something like Kratos, but but not that at all. Perhaps I don't recall exactly, but I did enjoy uh, that boss quite a bit, and um, just I, th- I like the fact that I think there's you know less platforms to stand on, and I always saw Kirby as you know with his floating ability to be more of an air type game anyway. Right, and he walks a lot, and there's a lot of ground in his games, but I feel like you're always going up. At least that's that's how I think how the game should be played. So. 
Well, in some ways, when we were talking about not needing the copy ability, in some ways, because of his floating, Kirby's like overpowered as it is. You know, you know, you get a lot of mileage out of that. That is true, and and so a lot of the levels you can float and just float over everything. Right. So it is kind of weird to give someone essentially the P wing, you know, from the start. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's cool. I mean, I liked having, I liked the game where you were that powerful, and you know, it still becomes those still become hard games at different times. Well, I feel like you're pretty vulnerable though, because I mean, you have to before you can suck in, you have to blow out your you know your air puff, and that yep. kind of takes a few frames and you're kind of stuck falling for a minute and there, there's some finesse you have to have with sure. controlling Kirby. So I did enjoy the, the this Game Boy game and I've played later iterations. Um, I think it's Dreamland 2 which has the animals come into play for the first time. Yep. And that, again, that was before you could suck in the copy ability. Or well, at least they didn't have that in that game. That might have been after the NES version but okay. um, which I think did have copy abilities if I recall. Yep. But, uh, yeah, I mean, with, like, little animal friends, which I thought were a little peculiar at first, I don't see why you necessarily need to have, you know, sucking all these enemies. Because it is, it is kind of random, because they put, often they put a lot of them, so you feel like you have a choice in what you, you know, how you can defeat an enemy or go through the level, but it doesn't really do anything different. I guess it's just by what's your preference. Sure. So there's, like, no strategy for me to, to choose, so I'd rather just not have the choice. Right, all right, yep. Me. Or always have the sword. <laughs> that is that is a good one. Uh, I have confirmed Krako is the name of the boss, so Krako. I was not terribly far off with Kratos. Sounds like a kid's cereal. Krako with a K. <laughs> well, Krako was uh, wacko, but he was good. He was a good boss. Nice. Well done. That sounded like it worked for the guy. <laughs> anyway... Um, so, yes, yeah, so that was Kirby's Dreamland, Bubbly Clouds. Thanks, Poe Squadron, for the pick. Um, let's jump into another one, uh, another very beautiful, airy song. Let's give a listen. Thank you. 
So that was uh, possibly angelic. Yes, very pretty. A lot of harp and um, very serene. Very slow. Mm-hmm. Um, like bubbly clouds, kind of feels bubbly. somewhat somewhat fast, but this definitely feels like you're taking a moment to breathe. What can you tell us about this game? Not a thing. <laughs> Not Me a thing. neither. So, um, I mean, we I can look are up stuff. Awesome. Well, you know, and I know I should probably do some level of uh, research beforehand, although I'm a busy guy. So. No? <laughs> no? I think it's better this way. The audience likes this? Yeah, um, we fly by the seat of our pants and the audience flies with us. <laughs> Appropriate for uh, this theme. Absolutely. Speaking of our audience, big ups to Brandon. How's it going? <laughs> Does he listen to this podcast or just the other? I don't know. I'm not sure. He might not. So big ups to the people who are hoping to hear their songs and are disappointed. <laughs> Yay. So this is uh this was from you know uh I don't know if he said it already, but this is Batson Kaitos. Sure. I think that's the right way you say it. No idea. Sounds um, good. It is the first game in the series, so I think this is the correct one that was chosen, or this is what it's about. Uh, it actually was partially developed by uh, Monolith Soft, Ooh. which I now know who they are. I didn't at the time. Uh, the full the full name is Bats and Kaitos, Eternal Wings in the Lost Ocean. Mm-hmm. And the song itself was called... Uh, Valley of the Wind. Valley of the Winds, yes, thank you. Yep. And um, I, you know, I don't know where this is in the game. I don't know what this is, but it was a beautiful. It's in song. the Valley of the Wind. Oh yeah, that windy valley. Yeah, obviously. Um, it's but Doing you know, my best here. the game, the game was a role playing game. Uh, that's really all I know about it, to be honest with you. Just start verbatim reading the Wikipedia entry. I could do that. That's where I found. Give us a few lines. Give us. The that's first where couple. I found out it was a role playing game. Yeah, I didn't know that even. Um, Okay, so let's... Straight up role-playing or, like, action RPG? It's a role-playing game with some puzzle elements. Whoa. And now if that ever changes, we know what it used to say on this date. Uh-huh. Um, so the player is an active participant as a guardian spirit who guides the main character of the story. So that's a little unique. Weird. So maybe there's, a, there's an angelic-type uh, aspect to it. So you are not the main character. You are the main character's guide. So to speak, like in the plot, you are not right. the guy driving the force, but you are the one driving the driver. That's very interesting. That on is its interesting. Own. Yeah. But I, like I've heard it before, and I recognized it, and I liked it, and that's why I thought it would be cool to include. So even though I also have no prior experience or context, um, thought it was a good song, uh, worth listening to. Yeah, and uh, actually, after hearing you read the setup of the game, I mean, I'm somewhat interested. Now I'm going to have to look into Spelunker 2 and now uh, Bat and Kytos. Well, I mean, a quick Google search shows that the game is being sold for as low as twenty three fifty six. Okay, what system are we talking? GameCube. Really? Yeah. Oh. Uh, no, was that recent? That's some website that I've never heard of, so I won't. I won't list it. Um, right. Looks like no it's free new. Advertising. New for like a hundred bucks on Amazon, which means someone's mark. Oh no, sixty-seven dollars. So you know your mileage may vary. Wasn't that good? <laughs> Maybe seven dollars, not sixty-seven. I got to hear at least like six more songs. 
Uh-huh. Um, but you know what? Based on the Amazon description, you have turn-based card battle systems in here. Uh, yeah. Over a thousand in all, so that uh, turns things off a little bit. But yeah, I do not like games you know that what? are based on card battles. This might be my first Let's Play on, on YouTube. Really? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But that might be the better way to experience it, I suppose. Yeah. But uh, you know what, though? I love music so much from games that I can definitely detach it. And, you know, tell us if, if this is a game worth playing in, in, in the Certainly. forum. Yeah. But uh, I, based on that song alone, I can see myself going back to YouTube and just looking up the soundtrack and, and listening to it. Yeah, definitely. Fantastic. So Shall we move on? Yeah. Uh, first, let's thank uh, Octorokin for picking it, though. Oh, Peter. Um, yeah, you know he had some really he had some really unique choices for this, and uh, yes. so I'm glad we got to get one of them in there. Yes, he is a passionate contributor of songs mm-hmm. and knowledge. And this next song for everyone, uh, and this this next song is uh, one that will probably be super obvious to people, and I think even the person who submitted it would feel the same way. It just had to be here, so let's give it a hear. think this game gets more hate than it should oh my god yes so let's just get that out of the way this is zelda skyward sword the song is skyloft it was picked by pokey freak 911 who pretty much ranted that this thread needed more skyward sword and yeah. i fully agree buddy yeah my right, real, real quick that's yeah. just what is it that people were turned off by with this game to some degree, maybe the controls, mm. but I found them to be okay. No real problems. I never had it like uh, the sword action kind of break away from my own movements. Right. Um, I can understand people's disgruntled opinions about the – I mean, they try to connect the worlds, but then then they just kept it divided anyway. 
You sure. Know? Okay. Um, and the sky was pretty bland in comparison to what it could be, I guess. Yes, true. Um, but true. assumptions make an ass out of you and me, so I shouldn't really have assumed anything. Skies um, are usually rather empty, but I can see but to that the emphasis is on flight that you might want more to do there, sure. And, and in Wind Waker, every single square had some some island, something to do. Mm. And I feel like if you divided the sky into squares, not everything would have had uh, a floating island or something unique. That is true, but I don't remember hating flying the way that I did sailing around eventually in Wind Waker. Okay. Well, hate's a strong word. Hate's a very strong word. It but, is. It's a four-letter word too. Yeah, but that swift sail is a good <laughs> idea. It was. Um, no, but I, I really love this game. It's one Heck of my favorite yeah. games for sure. I thought it looked beautiful. I thought oh, the music was fantastic. Yep. I regularly listen to this whole soundtrack while I'm working and stuff. I mean, just everything about it is just whimsical and beautiful, and I love the. The personality that the characters had. I love Groose. Um, Groose, what a great character! And I just love the the well, hell, the uh, the big baddie is is fantastic. I won't say what that is, even though it should be spoiler territory by now. But um, just from start to finish, I, I really enjoyed this game. And flying through uh, the sky was fantastic. But Skyloft is a hub. You know, Skyloft is the name of the pretty much the town that Link is from. Right. And and where Zelda's from as well. And uh, it was just very well designed. It was very fun. There was a lot of secrets. And uh, and it was just great how you could literally just jump off the edge and start mm. flying. You know, I mean, that, yeah. was, that was very freeing. Mm-hmm. I think they did really well with how they handled your ability to fly and, and what that meant to you as a character. Yep. And it honestly disappoints me that I don't know if they'd ever do it again. You know? Yeah. I mean, maybe they will. Maybe they'll have more sailing in the next one as well. I would like to see these aspects come back. Sure. But uh, the song Skyloft that was chosen by Pokey Freak, it, it's got like a mix of what I would perceive as an airy quality, but it also feels like almost like a marketplace. Sure, um, yeah. But, but a slowed down with like, like a closed marketplace. And mm. uh, that's kind of what the town really is. I mean, there's stores. There's not a lot of stuff going on outside except for the story elements. But uh, but there's a lot of shops and everything, and it just feels like your typical town. Yeah, I feel like the song has a kind of a welcoming hominess quality to it that I think fits the location that it's uh, meant to set the stage for. Yeah, that's um, a good point. But there is that little uh, you know set of shops in the middle of town, which lends itself to the description you gave, and I totally I see what you mean about like a a slow kind of take on that it's not it doesn't convey a big bustling set of shops but that's also not really what's happening i mean they're you know there's only 20 people on the island you know there's not a lot of sales going on exactly um yeah but i i just yeah i definitely wanted this song on the list um i think i think it's uh it gets overlooked you know not just within the game itself but in the uh grander scheme of of zelda music so i think it's a good track yeah frankly if you haven't played it and made up your own decision please do oh yeah you know i mean a lot of people love zelda too you know we (laughs) talked about at the top of the show oh yeah and i just don't but at least i i went through it and still determined that i don't like it that much but i I, I wanted to experience it 
have a friend who I think would say it's his favorite Zelda game, and he just replayed it like a month ago, just for fun. Zelda 2. Zelda 2, yeah. Yeah, so... So, every game has its has its merits. Yeah. And uh, Skyward Sword, yeah. I mean, I, I typically list it as my second favorite Zelda of all time, really. Now, it didn't do so hot in a recent poll that we did where we found out what our best Zelda was. Okay. Uh, Ocarina of Time, once again, won that one. But, Hell uh, Supreze. But um, I think it did better than people expected. But then people's reactions also were, how did it get this far? And I took that as a condescending little, <laughs> you know, sure. comments. Because, again, I, I think the dungeons are pretty well designed. Um, I think it was a very beautiful looking game. I thought the characters were fun. I think some people didn't like the repetition of, uh, I don't know if it was the Nightmare or whatever the hell that thing was called. That I will grant. Yep, you do fight that, uh, what old... is it called, the sealed one or... It's a Muppet. I don't know what it is, but it's... Encased one or... It's from Fraggle Rock or something. something. Yeah. Gotta, yeah. Gotta fight its toes. Right, right. My toes! My toes! But, uh... Um, but besides yep, that, I thought it was... Point. As it's supposed People to be, like... People like the little teardrop collecting thing. The little oh, shiny... Oh, but I, I really loved those parts. I thought that was really fun. Oh, that's right. In the, in the alternate area. Yeah. Where you had... You, you more or less could be spied on... I had a few really yeah. tense moments there too. Sure. Where like I knew I was being pursued and I had to hurry and that was pretty good. I liked yeah. that. The that thing was... that I didn't like was the musical notes. Or like the um Okay. I don't know if they were musical notes or tadpoles or some shit, but it's when the when the forest area floods. Okay. Very uh-huh. very cool idea. And I had fun with that right. aspect. But then I just remember swimming forever trying yep. to collect shit. And that was that was where it almost broke down for me. Huh. I, my fun almost came to a halt there, but once I got through that, it was back to normal. So, yeah, great characters in that game too. I feel like outside of even just the uh, the human or Hyrulean elfish people, just a lot of really interesting and unique characters, even for the Zelda franchise, mm-hmm. that uh, I thought had some some cool depth to them, and and I would love to see again, but I don't. I just don't think we will. So I like in particular the uh, that Goron who keeps going around and you keep kind of meeting him. I think it's the same one. Okay, but he's like the the backpacker or whatever. Right, all right. And you Doesn't keep seeing he... him. Does he sell you something? No, I don't recall exactly. He's not. He's not integral to your experience. I don't think. Okay. But, um. But yeah, and back to characters. I know this. This is kind of highly in, but Bruce. Bruce was just a. A really unique character that I f- at first I thought was going to be a one note, but the way mm-hmm. the game elaborates on him further, yep, uh, pretty cool, pretty cool stuff. Yep, yep. I, th- I think it was a hit. It's got a good impa in that game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I guess people also were kind of annoyed by Fee, but I liked her. I thought she was cool. I mean, her, or Fi, as some might pronounce it. I'd probably call her Fee. I guess I don't know. Uh, you know, you know to that to that effect. You know, I was talking about the big baddie, the one beyond Girahim, but Girahim is just a really unique freaking yes. bad guy, like an enemy. Yep. I mean, yep. he's so his demeanor is so unique. Yeah. Um, if David Bowie ever played <laughs> played a Zelda character in like some movie or something, he would be Girahim. That's a good call. Um, but even, I mean, Girahim is just. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know how to explain it. Um, he's unsettling. In the best way possible. Yeah, 
and uh, that tongue for for instance. Oh yeah. Um, yep. <laughs> but the fact that like he and I don't know. Well, okay. The, his sword and your sword mm-hmm. have relevance, and and it was just beautifully done. It was beautifully orchestrated how that whole dramatic play yep. kind of played out. So, um, I I haven't played Twilight Princess again. I, I actually have the the new one, the remake. So I want to play that. Besides that, this is the only other game that I Zelda game that I like that I haven't replayed yet, and I think okay. I need to do that pretty soon. Yeah, certainly. So, okay. All right. Let's move on to another song. It's it's getting a little bit late now. We've been recording this for a while, but this is destined to pick you back up. You know, it's kind of appropriate that tonight is uh, nighttime. Yes. Because this is from Nights. <laughs> yes. Not the original Nights, mind you. No. But the Wii sequel, Nights Journey into Dreams. Journey of Dreams, Dreams, I think. Yeah. yeah. I always get that mixed up. Fair enough. First one was Nights into Dreams. This is Journey of Dreams. Yeah. Uh, which is a, a Wii game that um, me and 10 other people played. Wait, this is a Wii game? Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, the song oh, itself... Oh, no. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wii game. Wii game. Sorry, the song yeah. itself is Bellbridge, Growing yep. Wings. Mm-hmm. Um, but okay, so it's a Wii game? Yes. Uh, it is... If you're not familiar with the basic setup of... I'm not. ...the Knights franchise, it's, um... I know you It's fly. basically... Knights is this, um... Court jester. Yeah, this magical jester thing 
he's not he's not even a person. Hmm. Uh, he's just sort of this entity that exists in the dream world, and he just sort of like helps little kids like fight their nightmares, basically. Oh, weird. and okay. yeah, he sort of flies around through their dreams and uh, and helps them out, and uh, usually in the process, I don't remember the details, but usually there'll be something like much deeper, like somehow through conquering their dreams that will, I don't know, like bring their parents back together or something like that. You know, it's like there's some deeper meaning to it. Um, but, you know, as far as the gameplay, you play this jester who can fly and you fly around and it's not really so much about um, fighting enemies uh, or anything like that. It's almost like a score attack where you like fly around through these courses and you have to do it in such a way that you kind of like get graded on style points, sort of. And, and depending on when you pass uh, certain sections, that's how you kind of advance through the level. It's very unique, so maybe it's a little hard to describe um, without without being able to show it to someone. But um, but they're just very like beautiful games, and they're designed to just give you that feeling of flight uh, and, and sort of uh, relaxation uh, more so than any kind of uh, white hot intense battle or or anything like that. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what the the general franchise is like, and and the sequel that was on the Wii uh, basically just builds off of that. It's it's almost it's almost a remake of the first one in some ways. It's just very very similar. Um, fans of the original would still say, even though it's very similar, that it was it was probably worse because I would say they would they they think it took out some of the bits that that made the series what it is and added some things that that don't really. Uh, improve the formula very much, but I think they're both equally good. Um, this song in particular is sort of the, you know, it sounds like a very triumphant song. It's it's what plays during the last couple of levels, last couple of areas, it's sort of the culmination of that of that second game of that Wii game, okay. and uh, it takes place in Bellbridge, which as far as I'm aware, is basically like the fictional London in this universe. So, like, there's a big clock tower and everything, which is very Big Ben-like. Um, and and that's sort of the, the real world. Eventually, you kind of cross back over into the real world of these kids. Uh, and, and so that's what uh, what's happening in this level. Hmm. Um, were you ever inspired to check out the series or do you remember when it kind of made its first splash on uh, Sega Saturn or what? Okay, right. That, I was just going to say it was earlier than the Wii, I thought, because I remember oh. seeing this in like EGM, you know, like this, <laughs> right, right, right. these screenshots and the whole Jester thing, it looked kind of cool or he or she or whatever, but... Yeah, it's actually supposed to be kind of androgynous and yeah. there's not it's not really a gendered character at I, all. Yeah, I never could peg it, so I just, yeah, I didn't know. But uh, uh, well, Most people call it a he, but it, you know, technically it's not really either. So so it was always it. rather intriguing, but I never understood the gameplay, so I never, ever yeah. gravitated towards it. It's um, extremely unique. Even, even if you're playing it just for the first time, 
and no one's guiding you or you don't like read the manual or something, you will just kind of be lost for a while mm-hmm. as far as what the objective is. Um, but like I said, it's, it, if that happens, it's mostly due to overthinking it because the objective is just fly around, collect stuff in a cool way, and then kind of reach the, reach the goal with a good score. And that's, and, and other than that, you can just kind of have fun. You can just kind of goof off and fly around and look at the pretty colors and, well, that it. sounds pretty good. You know, it sounds pretty fun. I think yeah. what might have helped stunt things was that after the Genesis, uh, I did not gravitate towards the Sega Saturn. Sure, nor did so, most people. So, you know, I didn't really care at that point because I couldn't play it anyway. And then right. uh, I probably caught wind of it coming out on the Wii, but I just, again, at that point it was too far gone. Yeah, yeah, truly. I mean, at that point, there was a very small but dedicated fan base that was really, really clamoring for the game, you know, for another installment in the franchise. But unfortunately, I think those are the very people who, because they were such hardcore fans, you know, those those little changes were not necessarily welcome ones. Right. You know, I think they, they didn't want, uh, you know, a remake with changes. They wanted either an evolution or... I think they would have been happier with just a complete remake, you know, one of those two things. But instead, they got they got something else, and mm-hmm. so that was basically the end of the franchise. But that does bring us to uh, the game Rodea, the Sky Soldier, uh, because Knights is a well, Rodea certainly is a Yuji Naka creation, uh, which is the guy who is responsible for Sonic the Hedgehog. Mm-hmm. And Knights equally was, you know, a Sonic team creation. Um, and so Rodea kind of takes that, uh, free flight idea and puts it in a more typical video gamey shoot, shoot, bang, bang kind of scenario. But you do free fly around in 3D. Uh, and though I have not played the game yet, I am very excited to one day do so. Um, not just because it looks good on its own, but also because it is that spiritual successor to to Knights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, Game Day Grant, GDG, was the mm-hmm. uh, one who submitted this song, and he actually submitted a song, I realized, from Rodea. So, oh, very interesting. I don't know if that was intentional on his part, or if that's just because that's the natural way of you know this kind of gameplay is going, but mm-hmm. um, kind of funny that he touched on that. Yeah. I didn't know what that was until you just told me about it, so... Yeah, well, I would love to talk to him at some point about about this franchise uh, and Rodea as well, and just see sort of what his experience is with it and and how he received them. Because Rodea also did not <laughs> do particularly well at market, and um, you know it, it was an interesting story where it was released for Wii U and 3DS. The Wii U game comes with the Wii version of the game because it was originally developed for the Wii and then sort of shelved and then emerged out of nowhere. For the Wii U, since the Wii version was essentially done, they just threw it in, and apparently that's the best version, because I guess it controls the best, uh, which makes sense if it was designed for that system. But I think, you know, by the point it was actually released, people didn't really so much care about purchasing a good Wii game. You know, I think they would have wanted something that really took advantage or really sang on the Wii U, and it wasn't quite that either you know so yeah but um 
you know, for anyone who's interested, I believe you were checking out some of the prices for Rodea. It's not exactly expensive no, these days. No, right? this price is only 40 and it's actually $30 right now on Amazon. So, yeah. you know, I might have to uh, hit this up. Yeah. I, I, you know, like I said, it, it certainly did not set the world on fire. You know, people were not blown away by it. But, um, you know, if you're looking for something unique and different and willing to sort of take a little risk, I would say you could probably do worse than a game with this pedigree and a game that I think has, uh, you know, a lot going for it. If you, if you like sort of that, uh, an evolution of that Japanese mascot character that went from a Sonic to a Knights and now to Rodea. Hmm. Well, you know, I, like I said, I'll, um, hopefully be able to talk about it on the show soon. Cause I think I might have to look into that. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I did want to make one point before we move on that um, of all the songs listed in this theme, which there were quite a few, there's more than the, in the dungeon theme, mm. uh, this is the only song you and I agreed on. Oh, very interesting. So, so what, what what we do, guys, so you guys, just so you know the behind the scenes, you know, we, we look at all the songs and we kind of privately vote. Uh, this time, anyway, we just decided to pick what would be our five. And then whatever overlaps, we know that for sure we're going to put that in the show. And then the rest, we started debating and everything. This is the one song in this theme that we, we both were like, yeah, absolutely, this has to be in. Awesome. And for a series that I'd never played, I just got to say that it definitely left an impact. So, Yeah, and I certainly, when I picked it, I was like, oh, this is never going to get in. Because I thought, you know, the, the Knights franchise just it is not really that popular, mm-hmm. uh, certainly now. So... I'm really impressed it got in. I also should probably mention that the melody in this song is a is basically the melody of the main knight's theme, just put in a different um, different musical arrangement okay. behind it. So that's something that fans of the of the series would would certainly recognize, and uh, those that aren't maybe can look out for in the future if they ever if they ever do play. Well, cool and great pick. Absolutely. Let's move on. What's next? To yeah, let's move on to uh, song number five. Another great pick that. Oh man, such um, a pick! Just throughout debating, almost didn't get in, but I'm glad it yeah. is because awesome. uh, this brings me some warm fuzzies. Let's let's give it a hear.
Okay, so fans are probably thinking, that was a Nintendo? What the hell is that? Well, um, I guess, well, Knights was, just not originally. But the whole point of this podcast is anything that can be played on a Nintendo console. And right now I do believe, unless I've completely screwed up here, uh, Sonic & Knuckles is available uh, in some sort of virtual console. I'm not even sure what the Wii U has now versus the Wii, but we have been able to play Sonic & Knuckles on the uh, Nintendo systems, so it counts. It's legit. Absolutely. And uh, so that was Sonic and Knuckles. The the specific song itself was the Flying Battery Zone, Act 1. Mm-hmm. Act 2 is very uh, similar. But, similar. Also very good. But it, um, it wasn't as good as one, though. And when Pogue Squadron submitted both, I had to throw my vote uh, to one. I almost picked it, so Joe and I almost aligned. But this was actually originally a Joe pick. And then, um, you know, I conceded uh, to it. But... Um, Flying Battery Zone, it's one of the best Sonic tracks there are, mm-hmm. and Sonic music in general is, at least the classic Sonics are very good, So, so. before lyrics got involved, and, <laughs> um... You don't like Crush 40? I don't even know what the hell it is, I don't want to know. See. Um, yeah, okay, moving on. But, uh, but no, no, um, every, I think every game kind of has their couple of themes that really stand out over the rest, and mm-hmm. for me, in Sonic and Knuckles, this is definitely one of them. And I can I can I can imagine myself in in that level playing this when mm-hmm. I hear that song. That's how distinct it is. Yeah, certainly. Um, yeah, just just amazing. I mean, for me, it's it's tough to tough to pick. Uh, you know, just just one from from those soundtracks. Like you said, the those early classic Sonic soundtracks. I would say that the music was equally responsible for the success. Uh, as the gameplay and characters and all and all the rest of that and the the blast processing and everything, um, you know, I would stack those soundtracks up against Mega Man and Mega Man Two as as just some of the best ever assembled. So agreed. Yeah, really glad that we got to listen to it and and put it into a Nintendo centric show like this. Um, yeah, just a joy to listen to. Really glad. So you know, we were talking about it kind of on the on the break uh, during the sh- during the song that um, this is actually because being a Genesis kid again, I've actually you know been well versed in the Sonic franchise at a at a young age. Um, I missed Sonic One, though I may have played it with my neighbor. I had a friend named Garrett when I was growing up, and uh, I believe and well, he had a Sega before I did, and so we played a lot of games over at his house. I think that this is one of them. Sonic Two was my first Sonic game that I owned. And I never played Sonic 3 growing up, and then I, I, I do own Sonic and Knuckles, so I've gotten to experience the lock-on cartridge and everything. Mm-hmm. And Sonic and Knuckles, I mean, Sonic and Knuckles with 2, or Sonic 2 with Knuckles, I guess it's called. Yeah, it's fun, but Sonic and Knuckles is a truly fantastic game uh, mm-hmm. on its own merit. And um, I did eventually go back and play Sonic 1 and 3, and I've played the you know all the original trilogy. I'm presuming I beat Sonic and Knuckles, but to be honest, I can't remember if I did. It's one of the things where, okay. you know, when you grow up, you, you play these games, but you don't really know if you beat them all and mm-hmm. if you've just created that memory just because it makes sense, even though it didn't happen. Right. But uh, So I probably should go back and look at it. But I know I've played the trilogy. I made a distinct plan to uh, a few years ago. Um, shit, a few years ago, back in college. So more than a few years ago. Um, but, yeah, back in college, I made a plan to do that. And, um, and really playing it for the music is almost half the reason I did it. Mm-hmm. Um. um. Do you have any interest in playing Sonic One at all? Yeah, I mean, I have. 
Um, okay. I mean, like, uh, all the way through. I have, yeah. I've, oh, I've oh. Beaten, I've beaten Sonic 1, 2, and 3 all the way through. I played them back-to-back. Back-to-back. Uh... Um, it's just Sonic and Knuckles now. I can't recall if I've actually beaten it. Does Sonic and Knuckles link to Sonic 1 in the way that it does with 2 no. and 3? Okay. Just 2 and 3. Okay. Um, hmm. But uh, I don't. I've never played Sonic two and three with Knuckles all the way through, so I haven't done that. Okay. But the music doesn't change. I don't think too much, so it doesn't matter. Mm. Yeah, I don't think it changes. Who do you prefer to play as, Sonic or Knuckles? Ah, <sighs> uh, it's tough, but uh, maybe it's not so tough. It's Knuckles. Yeah, I mean, he's pretty much. I don't think there's anything Sonic can do that he can't. Is it? No. Well, Just, well, there is. He can. He gets an extra. Uh, I don't know if he gets an all-out extra jump, but it's when he uses shields. You know, there's like the electric shield and the flame shield and stuff yeah. like that. If you push jump again while you're in the air, Sonic has an extra little thing with it. Like the flame shield, he he does a burst forward, and the electric shield, he gets like a, another bounce. And in my opinion, those things pale in comparison to the... Uh, game-breaking <laughs> abilities of knuckles sure and just the fun it's just it was just it was just so fun you know like sometimes as i think we've talked about on this show uh probably even the last episode of the uh flagship podcast um you know the sonic games they were not just about breakneck speed you know you got to plan your moves and things like that and you can easily fall down to the bottom and then you have to slowly work your way back up but with knuckles, you know, you you find the right surface, you just climb back up and you're there, you know, and it's like it's no headache. So, um, and you you'd always discover all these little nooks that when you're running around as Sonic, you just don't really have the ability to. So, yeah, I mean, the series has always had some verticality to it. You know, the level has the levels have always been more than just yep. one screen tall. Yep. But uh, Knuckles kind of gave it a bit of um, legitimacy, Certainly. a reason to start exploring north yep. or yep. up, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, very good game, very good music, and I, I appreciate Pogue for deviating from the typically Nintendo-focused uh, mindsets of the negative worlders and uh, throwing that in there. Mm-hmm. We're slowly going to make it a Sega for him. <laughs> if April 1st, uh, most years has anything to say about it, mm-hmm. uh, maybe that will happen. Sega the world forever. Sega the world. Okay, so. All right, what's next? Next is your pick. OMG. Your Aaron Sky pick. And I'm going to warn people now this is a <laughs> long song, but it's a beautiful it song, and there's it's not repeating itself. It's not like Splunker right. 2 played over six minutes. It's 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 a very beautiful song, and I'm, I'm excited to share it with you guys.
Okay, so that was very beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, that was something sarcastic in my mouth, but really, honestly, that was such a fantastic song that I was overjoyed when I heard what you picked. Because yeah. this is one of the things where I didn't see it in the thread, you know, and I just, mm-hmm. I asked you to, to tell me what your picks were, and so I looked into it, and it was, uh, fa- I listened to the whole thing. It wasn't like skipping through or anything. Mm-hmm. This is beautiful, man. Yeah. Uh, Dragon Quest Nine. Uh, let's see. What is... What is Journey it? to the Starfield Skies. There you go. And there's the sky bit. Now, uh, you have not played this game. No, right? and, and before you before you elaborate, Okay. Uh, in parentheses, Symphonic Suite is here. Now, is the game? Does the game music sound like this normally, or is this some sort of symphonic version of another um, version of the song? Yeah, that's probably it. But it's not vastly different from okay. what's in the game. Because I, I couldn't, mean, I couldn't figure that out. I couldn't tell the difference. I, I looked up other versions online, and they all kind of sounded similar. So yeah, certainly the. Uh, I would say as of probably Dragon Quest 7, probably once they moved to uh, disc-based and then continued on to the DS, you know, the quality of the music really, really ramped up. Right. So, yeah, but um, this song, you know, I think fits because the the whole plot of, of that game, uh, you know, the subtitle is uh, Sentinel of the Starry Skies, and you basically play an angel... Uh, from this uh, celestial town, I guess that the, you know their job, just like angels in other in other uh, I guess, yeah, other areas. Um, you know, they look after people. They look after the human beings down down here on Earth. So, um, so that's your job. And uh, a lot of the game is spent flying back and forth. Um, between the uh, area in the sky and, and down on the ground, um, either actually with wings or eventually you get access to this sort of magical flying train that is right out of a uh, Studio Ghibli movie, in my cool. opinion. Um, and outside of that, you know, it's a, it's a typical Dragon Quest, you know, fantasy experience um which is a good thing the uh the thing that is sort of uh unique about this game is that it's a return to form uh in line with dragon quest 3 which is that you get to craft your own party members you you pick their classes you in this case you pick what they look like and you name them and and you can completely customize your entire party uh, which is very cool. I, I usually really appreciate when when a game lets you do that. Um, in addition, in Dragon Quest Nine, I don't believe there was online multiplayer. I want to say there was not, but there was local multiplayer, which means that someone else who uh, is also playing through the game, you know, you can team up locally and they will just take a spot uh, in your party, and then they can help you out, you know, it's not like you're doing multiplayer side quests. They actually just join your game and can play through the game with you. Um, so I really loved that aspect. I convinced Amy to get a copy. We we got the game a little bit later, and we got it on some crazy sale. Where I don't remember what we paid for it, but I think it was like under $20. So that's how we managed two copies of it. Um, 
So just amazing. You know, we had we had great fun with it. Uh, I know you said you have not played it, but um, you know, was it on your radar at all? And uh, that, is there anything I said here that maybe sort of piques your interest or, or what? Well, what you say definitely sounds appealing, but mm. um, my experience with the Drag Quest series is the original on the NES. Okay, and that's about it. Wow, it's just it's just another one of those RPGs that uh, I just you know wonder when am I going to have the time. You sure. Know, there's always some other sure. game that's a little bit more easier to chew on. Right. Um, Definitely. And I just always feel like a lot of these games are going to be slogs of text and mindless battling and everything. Sure. And well, I never know which ones are the unique ones that aren't. Right. Well, I will say this game is probably the biggest of, of any of them. So, um, you know, because you have that sort of character customization aspect and everything that you know it sort of is is almost like an mmo in a way in the way that it's set up so there's not a ton of there's not really a ton of like reading text and that kind of thing Mm -hmm. but there is just so 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 much to do um obviously much of it is optional but uh it's kind of constructed in a way that doesn't necessarily feel optional like something is always pushing you in it, towards one objective or another you know yeah um and i wouldn't say that it, it ever really necessarily feels grindy but you do just put so many hours in in trying to a- achieve these things so you know from that perspective you know probably it probably wouldn't be a game a game for you, uh, you know, just based on time constraints and I all mean, that. Occasionally, but, a game gets me like that, like Fantasy Life sucked me right in. Ah, yes, okay. Yeah, but uh, it's like one a year at most. Sure. And Xenoblades sure. keep coming out. You know. Sure. Well, I, I will say, I mean, um, you know, some, something about Dragon Quest Nine. I think the, like I said, the party customization appealed to me a lot, and but it was also much more modern than if I was to go back and play Dragon Quest 3. So I will say that even though I put an incredible amount of time into playing the game and nearly 100%ing it, which was insane, uh, I should say I had it while Amy and I were taking a series of long road trips. So that, you know, that kind of lent itself to extended plays. But uh, I was motivated to start the game over again, just just from 0% uh, not too long ago. And then, of course, I quickly dropped it for something else. But point being, you know, it's the kind of thing that even after all that time, I was I was ready to play more. Can you tell um, us, um, yes. not to digress from what you might be going to, but can you tell us where this song comes in? Um, it just is sort of a general theme throughout, so it plays many times. Uh, I think it might be what you hear while you're up in that uh, sky area, you know? And a little hint to that is that if you listen closely there, it does have the uh, the melody of the typical, like, castle theme that dates all the way back to the very first Dragon Warrior game. Yeah. So. Oh, correct. That is what they're called back then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, actually, that's what I was going to bring up, actually, was that if you listen closely, you'd hear that, that little melody. So, 
Okay. So I am good. If you have not, you know, anyone who might be interested, I think it would hold up as a single-player experience. And if you had a friend, I think you can still do local multiplayer with the DS. Obviously, they shut down all the online servers, but uh, I think local still works. So if you have a pal and another copy of the game, it would be fun. Noted. But basically, you should just play Final Fantasy Explorers with me if you're looking for that. <laughs> right. That online, so. Obviously. Anyway, let's go to your pick, which is an outstanding pick. Well, thank you. Uh, hopefully everyone else agrees. I will admit it's another uh, NES joint, so um, hope you're looking forward to some of that. But uh, this one actually has a special reason that I'm aware of this game, and uh, let's hear it first. Okay, so that was my pick. That is Air Fortress. It's the title theme of that game. Uh, that was for the NES. And obviously, you know, Air, Air Fortress, kind of an obvious thing. But that's not how I found it. It wasn't a Google search this time. Um, when the late Satoru Iwata had passed away last year, I feverishly looked through his catalog of games that he had worked on prior to being, you know, Nintendo's president. And I found that one of his earliest games, if not his earliest game, I can't recall if this is the first one or not, but one of his earliest games that he worked on as a developer, just as a guy making games, which is what I always appreciated about him, is that that's where he came from, that's what he was at heart. But uh, one of his first games was Air Fortress for the Nintendo Entertainment System. Mm -hmm. And what this game is about, I've played it a little bit. I haven't played too much, but it's pretty much, uh, each level is kind of two parts. You have your through-the-air uh, level, and that's kind of a shoot-em-up typical thing. You're you're really awkwardly groping, <laughs> like, <laughs> like riding a jetpack thing yes. but like on your belly. So imagine Superman so flying through space in the fetal position. It's kind of like that. and uh, But you shoot things up, and um, you, know, you have unlimited ammo, I believe, and everything. You just kind of do your thing, and it's modestly fun. I definitely felt tricked a few times thinking I wouldn't get hurt by something that I did get hurt by. So there's a bit of a learning curve in that sense, but it wasn't too bad. Then you kind of land your uh, your grope mobile or whatever, and um, <laughs> no offense, Mr. Iwata, but, uh and then you um, do an on-foot mission. And that's actually pretty unique because there's a really unique kind of gravity right. in those levels. 
and you're kind of constantly floating up and down. There is gravity in general, but it's very floaty, like on a moon or something. And uh, you avoid enemies, and you kind of keep making your way through, and then the levels, they don't repeat, but there's more levels that are similar, where you have the one-two punch of the, the flying setup and then the, the on-ground setup. You move to other air fortresses. Yes. And continue dispatching. Uh, correct. There is like a map screen that shows all the different fortresses. So you're right. You are kind of destroying Dr. Wily's fortresses, mm-hmm. more or less. Um, but, you know, we, I mean... It's we a, assume there's no civilian population on these fortresses. <laughs> right. So they look kind of domestic from the uh, box art, but whatever. Right, right. But, there's you know, there's only a bunch of creepy alien kind of bad guys in them, so... Uh-huh. There's no like uh, humanoids that I can tell, uh, but the game, you know, the game is pretty simple in that sense. It just follows the pattern. Um, it's it's decently fun, you know. A lot of NES games don't necessarily hold up to the test of time, you know. As we grow into these, you know, any of the a lot of the other games that we've seen on this list already in this podcast, I mean, they just are infinitely more complex than a lot of these early NES games. But uh-huh. there's something charming about this game. Uh, the fact that Mr. Iwata had worked on it is also very important to me personally. Um, and the, the theme song I feel is just so, so epic. It's yeah, so, it's really outstanding. Yeah. I mean, it almost outweighs the actual epicness of the game, <laughs> but it, mm-hmm. it, if that's a selling point for, for them back then, I mean, that was really going to work because you hear that, that song and you get in the mode to do some yep. action, you know? So, um, so I always love this theme. Unlike the Splunker one, where I just kind of found it, uh, this one I've definitely had a soft spot for, for at least the past year that I've been aware of it. So, mm-hmm. the soundtrack as a whole is pretty good, but um, I must say that the title theme might be the best song there is. Yeah, I mean it's it's one that has stuck me since stuck with me since that era certainly. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, this was a game that I had and never beat. It was. Uh, I found it to be rather difficult. Um, I can't remember if you said you were able to beat it or just didn't quite put it enough time to. No, I I haven't attempted it. uh, And I played maybe through the first couple levels. Mm. And I did find that there's some cheap cheap deaths in the sense that I'm just not, I don't know, I guess they're not cheap. But um, it is pretty tricky. And some things in the flying sections anyway, like I said, I didn't expect to get hurt by them. They didn't seem offensive. Mm -hmm. But... um, but no, I mean some of these enemies in the, uh, you know, on foot missions or whatever uh, are pretty tricky as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So you, but you've owned this game since back in the day, right? Yeah, um, it was one of those things where I'm pretty sure it, uh, when my friends sold me their Nintendo and their games, I think it just came with it because um, I certainly don't remember purchasing it myself, but it's something I seem to remember just always having so mm-hmm. uh i guess i was just fortunate in that sense did you prior to his passing did you have an idea that mr wada had worked on this no no idea at all yeah. uh that was a real surprise to me and uh it was pretty cool yeah whenever i hear the song I, you know i think of him and uh it's kind of a nice nice memory again i didn't not that i knew the guy but uh it reminds me of his legacy before before his legacy was built, I suppose. So, so that was Air Fortress, uh, title theme. Not much else to say. I guess this is um, with seven and seven. With with you know, we're kind of done now. Mm. Uh, episode 
six of the euphonic podcast is uh is coming to a close so unless you have any last comments no last comment joe uh, i think i just want to say thanks to you yes thanks to you for uh you know doing the work of assembling the songs uh for us to uh, logistically be able to pull this off and if i do have a last comment it's that uh let's make it less than two years before the, the next one well, let's see. This is about a two-hour show. It'll probably take me about two years to edit, so right. I, I don't know if That's I can promise, <laughs> promise yeah. that. Well. No, um, definitely a longer show than, than I think the, the past ones have been. Um, you know, we're open to a little bit of criticism if you <laughs> if you like, if you uh, you know, if Never. you prefer the shorter ones. I think typically we envision Hot this to be casting with an iron fist to be a little bit shorter. But That's um, what the people want. They want to be, be told what to listen to. Kinky. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I hope you enjoyed it. We try to put more music in here. Maybe there's more discussion. I don't even know the, the ratio, but I hope you enjoy this uh, this listen. You know, keep it keep an eye out. We're definitely gonna keep going. Um, I said earlier that I do have a list of some themes that I think would be good, but you know what? I'm not always right, and I could always use more unique suggestions. So please, you know, write in, use the forums, use a PM, you know, whatever you want to do. Just let me know. Let me or Joe know. Uh, of a theme that you think would be great for the show, maybe we'll use it. Um, you know, the themes are, you know, they don't have to be anything special, but whatever gets your mind thinking about music and games in a unique way, that's what I want to do. So, so that said, uh, we have seven and seven, but I think we're going to do this for at least this season. We're going to finish the show with a 15th and final song, and uh -huh. we, we won't be back to talk about it, but we're going to play it out with it. Um, this Surely song. we're charging extra for a 15th song. <laughs> you know what? No, this is free. Uh, yeah, it's subsidized by um, by the negative world government. Zero. Um, actually, it's Uncle Grippy gave me the money. Yeah, he did. He's a good. He's a good guy. Um, his mustache comb business is just really going somewhere, so he has a little bit of extra change to spare. Makes sense. Anyway, uh, so okay, we're gonna send us send you guys out with a song here. It's a fantastic song. Uh, we'll tell you in advance uh, because that just makes sense because we're not going to be here when you get back. But um, Pokey Freak 911 and Hero of Hyrule both suggested it. And I know we already talked about Skyward Sword, but yes, it's another one from that. This is The Sky from Skyward Sword. Perhaps the definitive Air and Sky song in recent memory. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening. See you, Joe. Bye.